Good morning! Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. This evening's episode is titled Footprints Means Possession. It'll be focused on a study of Deuteronomy chapter 11. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the lesson in the scripture where we realize that each footprint and each step that the children of Israel took meant possession. They had to fight for each and every inch of the ground, but they had to move step by step first and not just stay in one place. So help us, Father, to go forth in faith, conquering and taking the faith of the word and that knowing that that which you promised you shall accomplish. Like you said, the works that I do shall ye do also, and greater works than these shall ye do, for I go unto the Father. Help us, Father, to be of one mind and one soul and one spirit, and to take complete confidence in your word. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Deuteronomy chapter 9. Chapter 9 Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over Jordan this day, to go in to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself, cities great and fenced up to heaven, a people great and tall, the children of the Anakims, whom thou knowest, and of whom thou hast heard say, Who can stand before the children of Anak? Understand, therefore, this day, that the Lord thy God is he which goeth over before thee as a consuming fire, he shall destroy them, and he shall bring them down before thy face. So shalt thou drive them out and destroy them quickly, as the Lord hath said unto thee, Speak not thou in thine heart, after that the Lord thy God hath cast them out from before thee, saying, For my righteousness the Lord hath brought me in to possess this land, but for the wickedness of these nations the Lord doth drive them out from before thee. Not for thy righteousness, or for the uprightness of thine heart, dost thou go to possess their land. But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee, and that he may perform the word which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand, therefore, that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness, for thou art a stiff-necked people. Remember, and forget not, how thou provokest the Lord thy God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day that thou didst depart out of the land of Egypt until ye came unto this place, ye have been rebellious against the Lord. Also in Horeb ye provoked the Lord to wrath, so that the Lord was angry with you to have destroyed you. When I was gone up into the mount to receive the tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant which the Lord made with you, then I abode in the mount forty days and forty nights. I neither did eat bread nor drink water, and the Lord delivered unto me two tables of stone written with the finger of God, and on them was written according to all the words which the Lord spake with you in the mount out of the midst of the fire in the day of the assembly. And it came to pass, at the end of forty days and forty nights, that the Lord gave me the two tables of stone, even the tables of the covenant. And the Lord said unto me, Arise, get thee down quickly from hence. 
for thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They are quickly turned aside out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten image. Furthermore, the Lord spake unto me, saying, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Let me alone, that I may destroy them, and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of thee a nation mightier and greater than they. So I turned and came down from the mount, and the mount burned with fire, and the two tables of the covenant were in my two hands. And I looked, and behold, ye had sinned against the Lord your God, and had made you a molten calf. Ye had turned aside quickly out of the way which the Lord had commanded you. And I took the two tables, and cast them out of my two hands, and brake them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord, as at the first forty days and forty nights. I did neither eat bread nor drink water, because of all your sins which ye sinned in doing wickedly in the sight of the Lord, to provoke him to anger. For I was afraid of the anger and hot displeasure, wherewith the Lord was wroth against you to destroy you. But the Lord hearkened unto me at that time also. And the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him. And I prayed for Aaron also the same time. And I took your sin, the calf which he had made, and burnt it with fire, and stamped it, and ground it very small, even until it was as small as dust. And I cast the dust thereof into the brook that descended out of the mount, and at Taborah, and at Massa, and at Kibroth Hateavah. Ye provoked the Lord to wrath. Likewise, when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, Go up, and possess the land which I have given you. Then ye rebelled against the commandment of the Lord your God, and ye believed him not nor hearken to his voice. Ye have been rebellious against the Lord from the day that I knew you. Thus I fell down before the Lord forty days and forty nights, as I fell down at the first, because the Lord had said he would destroy you. I prayed therefore unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, destroy not thy people and thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed through thy greatness, which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand, Remember thy servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look not unto the stubbornness of this people, nor to their wickedness, nor to their sin, lest the land whence thou broughtest us out say, Because the Lord was not able to bring them into the land which he promised them, and because he hated them, he hath brought them out to slay them in the wilderness. Yet they are thy people and thine inheritance, which thou broughtest out by thy mighty power, and by thy stretched out arm. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled, Look Away to Jesus. It was preached in 1963 on December the 29th in the evening. We'll begin in paragraph 84 up to paragraph 181. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. How many remembers about the squirrels? Yes, All right. That was a puzzling scripture in my life that I, I never could understand. That, and there was another that puzzled me. That's when Moses could tell God a better way than God knowed how to do anything. When Moses said, there are people who say your God was able to bring you out, but not able to keep you. And Moses threw himself in the breach. Then later I found out 
that Moses, that was Christ in Moses standing for the people, see? So then, on this scripture, and I never would preach on it, if you say to this mountain, be moved, and you know the story, so I'll bypass that. Now, little did I know what that was leading to. And I think that Brother Woods and Brother Fred and them are here in the building which was present when that happened, or right after it happened there. Brother Rodney and Brother Charlie from down in Kentucky, Sister Woods' brother and them was present when it happened down in Kentucky, which was the second time it happened. Just simply speaking into existence things that wasn't. See? Speaking all time and backing up the Scriptures, encouraging. The third time it happened was Hattie Wright. Is Hattie here tonight? That's Edith. How many knows Hattie Wright? Brother Woods and I were sitting there when it happened. And when the Holy Spirit said, Give her what she wants. And I was talking about that. How do them squirrels come into existence? And I said, it's the only thing it is. He's Jehovah Jireh. Just when Abraham needed a ram, God provided that ram. And he provided the squirrels. He could speak a squirrel just into existence because he's creator. Just same as he could speak the ram. Abraham never asked for it. He was just simply going on to do it. But he showed that Jehovah Jireh was there. When I said that, a humble little woman, for the first time this ever happened, the third pull up on a human being was a little humble woman that making about $200 a year for a living, all she got out of her little farm, her husband dead, two children that had turned kind of wild and come and donated $20 of that to the building of this tabernacle. And media gave me some money that morning for groceries, $20, and I was going to give it back to her that day while I was down there so she wouldn't have to pay it, but she wouldn't take it. And when she's sitting back in the corner, and when I said, only thing I know is he's still Jehovah Jireh, and little Hattie said the right word. She said, that's nothing but the truth. And when she said that, Brother Banks Woods here is one that was present. That room felt like it was coming apart. And the Holy Spirit said, the same voice that spoke about the squirrel said, Give her what she asked for. And I said, Sister Hattie, as a witness before God, this is it. Now, if there's any doubt in your mind, you ask what you want to, and if it ain't laid in your lap, then I'm a false prophet. She said, Brother Branham, everybody was crying. Said, What shall I ask? I said, You're poor. And you live on the hill over there with no money. You might ask for that. You got a little crippled sister sitting here, Edith, that we prayed for for years. You might ask for her healing. I said, your father and mother is old and broke down. You might ask for them. Whatever you ask for, Sister Hattie, see now. If it happens or not, right now. And I said, he's just told me the same voice. said, Give her what she asked for. And she looked around. She said, What shall I say, Brother Branham? I said, Say what your desire is. Think of your greatest desire and say it. And her boys was even sniggering and laughing. And she said, The greatest desire I have is the salvation of my two sons. I said, I give them to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And there they went. And they've been faithful in this church with communion. Them little fellows sitting out washing feet with the man and things like that. We all are a witness of that. She had a real 
choice. Her mother has to die, so does she, all of them. But what she asks will be eternal, Amen. the salvation of her children. That was the third time it happened. The fourth time it happened, I just explained it here the last time I was here, was up on the mountain where that storm raging. How many heard it? Yeah. All of it. All right. Where the storm raging. And God being my judge standing here, going down the mountain when David Wood, he's here somewhere, I guess, that made me a sandwich and it was quite a one. I think he's trying to get even with me for the one I made for his daddy a few years ago. He had bologna and, and meat and everything mixed together. I put it in my shirt and it rained and just got just a big wad of dough. And I was coming down the mountain. It's so stormy. I couldn't even see my hand before me hardly. And I know just one thing. You're turned around because that wind's just whirling. Now, there's witnesses here to that. One of them is one of our faithful deacons. Which is Brother Wheeler. Are you here, Brother Wheeler? Where is he at? Uh, you're right here. Brother Wheeler. Brother Mann, a Methodist preacher from New Albany. Is he Brother Mann in tonight? I uh, don't know whether he is or not. Brother Banks Woods. Are you here, Brother Banks? He's in the recording room. All right. And, um, and David Woods. And uh, Brother Evans was there, I believe. Is that right, Brother Evans? Brother Evans, standing against the wall, was there. And how they broadcast for days... Two days before that, a mighty blizzard was sweeping the land. Brother Tom Simpson is here tonight. When coming down out of Canada, they asked him to bypass there because he couldn't get through. A blizzard was coming. Brother Tom, are you here? Or here he's sitting right here. And there the clouds come up and out. said, Brother, everybody rushed out. There was nobody back there out of a hundred and something men back there. There was nobody back there but our little group and the cowboy, the rider. And we was going to stay. I called Sister Evans and had her to call the wife and tell her to tell Tony if I didn't get out, get somebody else to hold the breakfast for the businessman. And up on the mountain that, that day, I said, now when it first little rain starts or anything, take for the camp. I said, within 10 or 15 minutes, you can't see your hands before you. Well, that blizzards. And it'll dump 20 foot of snow just in a little bit uh, over the mountain. And that's how people, you read it in the paper, how they're back there and perish and everything. But we knew how to get out and they knowed where we was at. And so we felt led to stay. And um, so up on the mountain when that blizzard started, I started going down. And I was just about a half a mile from where it started. And the voice of God said, turn and go back. And I went back, as he told me. After waiting for a while, eating that sandwich that David gave me, and went back up there and sat down. And while I was sitting there in that wind twisting and blowing, the treetops leaning way over to sleet and snow, a flying like that, a voice said, I am the God of creation. I looked up and I thought, where was that? That was the wind, maybe. He said, I created the heavens and earth. I still the mighty winds upon the seas and went on talking. I jumped up and took off my hat. And he said, just speak to the storm and it'll cease. Whatever you say, that's what'll happen. I said, Storm, you cease, and sun, you shine normally for four days till we're out of here. And I no more and said it until the sleet, snow, and everything stopped in a moment or two. The hot sun is shining on my back. I seen the winds blowing like this, come back from the north, coming down. I mean, from the east, coming from the east. It was coming from the west. The winds changed and come back this way, and the clouds like a mystic thing lifting up into the air, and the sun was shining in a few minutes. Then the Lord Jesus spoke to me a little later on about my wife down there, as you know. 
about uh, where I went up there. I've never been home on anniversary yet. We've been married 22 years. The first anniversary, the first our wedding, I, I took her on a hunting trip because I couldn't afford to take the hunting trip and, uh, and, uh, and go on a honeymoon too, so I, I kind of put it together. And so then, um, and I've been hunting ever since, and I felt some way I'd treat her. Now, that was the fourth time it happened. Now, here's something I, I want to say, and I must tell exactly the truth. About 16 years ago, I was in California with Brother John Sherrod. And I was having a meeting, and Meadie and I, and Brother Sherrod and Sister Sherrod, and I was staying in a hotel, and a man named Paul Malikian, who stood right here in this tabernacle many times, he's a wealthy Armenian, and his wife had given birth to a child up at uh, Fresno, California, where they live, and was come down, brought his wife down and called me at the hotel and said, can I bring my wife up, Brother Bram? I said, yes, you may. Next day, I was going to Catalina. So, um, it brought his wife up, and the little lady was so sick, and she, I said, put your hand on mine, Sister Malikian. I said, we'll see if the Lord will tell us. And as soon as she laid her hands upon me, I said, oh, it's milk laying. She said, I don't seem to have any symptoms. I said, you watch. In two days, this doctor in her for milk laying. Like little Jimmy Poole here, his little baby, the other day come in with that heart attack they thought is an asthmatic attack. And I put my hand on him. I said, watch him for a couple of days. He's got measles. It's coming through. It's a fever. I met him last night. He said he's broke out all over. <laughs> and measles. See? Now, talking to Sister Malikin with a hand, she said, that's an amazing thing to watch that, Brother Brandon. She said, does that work on every hand? I said, well, if there's something wrong with the patient. I said, now here, I put my hand on. Many of us stood and watched it. And it didn't do it. I said, here, there's nothing wrong with my wife. Put her hand. Look here, honey. Put your hand on mine. She's sitting there, my wife. She put her hand on mine. As soon as did, I said, you have a cyst on the left ovary. You do have female trouble. And she said, I don't feel any different. I said, but you have it. Becky was two years old. My daughter that just played a while. She was two years old. Two more years, Sarah come on the scene. And when she is a cesarean, and I asked Dr. Dillman, our doctor down in, in Carden, to, when you have her open, look at that left ovary. And he did. He said, nothing wrong that I saw. I put my hand. It's still there. Four years later, come Joseph. I asked him to look again. Nothing wrong as I seen. Put my hand. It's still there. So we just forgot about it. Now, this is something that I have to say. I don't like to say it, but it just has to make the truth. See? And that's what you want. Always tell the truth no matter what takes place. Years had passed. We never noticed it. And I say this. Not because she's sitting there, because I say it when she's not there. You know that. I don't believe there could be a better wife in the world than my wife. And I hope she always remains that way. And I want to be a loyal husband. And I hope that every young man in this building, when he gets married, gets a wife like my wife. I don't know how long we'll live that way, but I hope the rest of our days on earth. We've been very happy together. God was the one who told me to marry her at the same time, her not knowing... I was trying not to marry her, not because I didn't love her, but because I didn't think I was able to make a living for her. And she's a fine woman, and I just didn't deserve that. And she went out to pray and opened up the Bible. And guess, she said, Lord, I've never did this before, but give me a scripture that'll help me. If I've got to forget him, I've got to forget it. Open the Bible. And she went out in a little shed and prayed. And when she opened the Bible up, Malachi 4, Behold, I send unto you Elijah the prophet. Before the, that was 20-something that was years ago, knowing nothing about the ministry of this day. 
And I was, couldn't believe, I was laying down the river there, and he woke me up one night. I heard him stand there by the door. He said, go get her, and your wedding shall be this coming October the 23rd. And that's just exactly what I did. And we've lived happy. By the grace of God, we've never had one word. She's been a sweetheart. One day I come in, and she's had to raise these children by herself. Me gone in the ministry. Not many women would put up with that. You know that. That'd be hard. And I come in, and she said something. We got Joseph back there, and he's a, he sure is a boy. And he helped put some of the gray hair in his mother's head as well as I did. So he was a real all boy. And he had done something real bad, and I said to her, uh, she said to me, Bill, give him a licking. I said, I just ain't got the nerve. And she said, yes, if you had to put up with it. And she slammed the door right in my face. Well, I thought, that's all right. Poor little fellow didn't mean that. I just went on out to wash my car. And when I got out there, the Holy Spirit didn't like it. He said, go tell her, I believe it's Second Chronicles, 22nd chapter. I, did, I, I thought, first I just imagined that. I just kept on washing. And it said it again, go tell her to read this. Now, when he got to Bible and read it, it was where Mo, or Miriam, the prophetess, made fun of her brother, Moses, for marrying an Ethiopian girl. And God didn't like it. And he said, it had been better that her father spit in her face and, and to, to have done that. So Miriam broke out with leprosy all over. And so Aaron come told his sister, said, or come told his brother, said, she's dying with leprosy. And so Moses run in to intercede for her at the altar. And when he did, the pillar of fire come down. God. He said, go call her and Aaron and bring him here. And Aaron was in it too. So he said, call him and come here. He said, if there be one among you, God speaking out of them, that spiritual or a prophet, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him. I'll speak to him in visions and reveal myself to him by dreams and, and reveal dreams and so forth. He said, but my servant Moses, there's none in the land like him. He said, I speak with him from lip to ear. He said, didn't you fear God? See, God didn't like it. Well, when I seen that, I run in and she's in the other room. I knocked on the door. She'd shut herself up. I told her I want to speak to her. I went in there and talked to her, tried to tell her what it was. I said, sweetheart, you know how I love you, but God didn't like that. You oughtn't have said that. Immediately after that, she took a trouble in her side. We took her over to a doctor here in Louisville, Dr. Arthur Sheen, and he found a tumor on the left ovary that I'd found 15 or 16 years before. Tumor on the left ovary about the size of a walnut. I said, what about it, doctor? He said, let's see what happens. Bring her back again in a few months, about two months or something. We took her back. It had grown from a walnut to about the size of a lemon. I said, better come out. They get soft and turn malignant. I said, well, my. I said, we're, we're going to Tucson. The Lord has sent me out to Tucson. He sent her up to a female specialist. He didn't want it on his hands. So he must have told him about my ministry. Because he, um, the female specialist said it'll have to come out. So he said, we told him he was going to 
uh, Tucson. He said, well, I've got a specialist there, a dear friend of mine who used to live in Tucson. He said, I'm going to send you to him. So he wrote a note and sent it to him and said, Miss Branham's a nice lady and went on like that, said, send her the diagram of how big the tumor was and so forth. It turned tumor then and said how big it was and said, I know, you know, you know, I think he thought, called me a divine healer. That's all you know how to put it. But said, I have agreed that it could come out. It should, if it has to be taken out, take it out. But it's testing our faith. Constantly we prayed and more we prayed, the bigger the tumor grew. It got to a place that was sticking out on our side. We kept it quite a few of the people here knew it, trying to see what would happen. On and on it went. Finally, when I come down from Canada, from where I let the Lord let me lead that tribe of Indians to Christ and going back to baptize them in the name of the Lord Jesus this spring, the Lord willing. Now, come down and it's time for it to go when I was in New York or down here to have another operation, to have the operation or be examined for the last time. I went on to New York and when I come back, I stopped in here and went up after I had the meeting here, the last meeting, I went up there and called her from Brother Woods and she said, Bill, I can't even stand my clothes to touch it. It was just way out like this on her side then. And her leg on that side, she could just hobble along. The worst week she had ever had. Now, she's sitting there listening at me. The worst week she had ever had. And she said, I've got to go day after tomorrow for that examination. I thought, oh, God, if they cut it out, that'll keep us from going home at Christmas. And I done told the people I'd be there. And I said, what a time. Oh, my. I thought, tell him if he's going to operate, well, let it go a little longer after Christmas. Then I got thinking it might be malignant. And back over here, you know, that's a bad thing. Run back into the kidneys, if it straight uh, goes malignant, it'll kill you. So then I thought, what can I do? And Meadie said, well, now, you call me. Said the day that I got in Shreveport, which would be the day after that, when I got in Shreveport, she had to go for the examination. And so she went to the, uh, uh, Miss Norman was going with Sister Norman. You, all of you know her. The people who come to the tabernacle. She's going with her and to this specialist. And um, so uh, she said, wait till you have your first night at, at and then come back, cause the difference two hours in time. Then call me when you come back to the meeting. I'll tell you what I've got to do. And I said, all right. So I went on. And the next morning before I left, I was going to get Billy and Lois. They were both sitting present. And always, we got an old stool there that Brother Palmer covered for us here not long ago. And we always get around that stool and pray whenever we're old Ottoman-like, you know, footstool. Whenever we get around there and pray, when I'm going on a meeting, we ask God to help us. And I've been up there a couple of days, and I, I've lonesome. The house, the kids gone, her gone. You know, many of you know I had to go through that one time, go back to an empty house. Only I buried that wife whole. And I, it all over again. And I got down, I thought, well, I'll pray, and then go pick up Billy and Lois and go on. So I just got down to pray. I said, Lord, I miss them this morning around here. And I said, I pray that you'll help them and bless them. May we come back to this place again? And now, I said, they're out there because that you sent me there on a vision. And you fulfilled it. Now I'm wanting to wait to see what you're going to tell me to do next. I said, I'll pray for you. Be merciful to her. And I said, help me in the meeting down there. And then I kept, I said, Lord, don't let it be malignant. And let that doctor wait till after the first year to take it out. I, I just I hate to see her. I said, Lord... She didn't mean what she did that morning. She didn't mean that. I said, Lord, not one time has she ever said one word about me going to the meeting stand months or whatever it was. Not one time has she ever opened her mouth about it. 
She's always sent my clothes to the cleaners and washed my shirts and had everything ready to go in the meeting. And then she wonders how she can serve God. You women, as you serve your husband, you serve God, of course. And now, and then when I come in all tired and wore out, people coming from everywhere, I'd have to go out somewhere on a fishing trip or a hunting trip. Well, many women would have blowed up at that. What she do? Got my hunting clothes ready for me to go. Let me go. I said, Lord, she didn't mean that. Now I said, she's had to be cut open three times on account of she's a Syrian. And I said, I, I, Lord, I, I hate to see her have to do it again. Just then I heard something in the room. I looked up and a boy said, stand up. I said, now whatever you say, that's the way it'll be. I wait just a minute. I said, before the doctor's hand shall touch her, the hand of God shall take the tumor away and it won't even be found. That settled it to me. I never called her. We went that long, went, got Billy and Lois, went to Shreveport. Next night I called her. She's happy. She said, Bill, I want to tell you. Now here she is and she can verify this. I had to hobble her way over there, went in the room with the nurse and Miss Norman, put her clothes on for the gown for the examination. The doctor came out and she could hardly get on the table, the tumor hanging up there so big. And when she, the doctor come in, was talking to her, and he come over to raise back the sheet to touch her, and just before he touched her, it left. And the doctor didn't know which side it was on. He said, wait a minute. With the girl diagrams and all the pictures and everything else, he couldn't find one trace of it. He examined her over and over. He said, I might not be able to explain it, but Miss Branham, that tumor isn't there. And she's never had one symptom of it since. What was it? Notice, just exactly the way it's said. Before the doctor's hand can touch it, one split second and his hand would have touched it. How perfect is the word of the Lord? Now there's my wife and we're both before God. But before the doctor's hand could even touch her body on the road coming to her like that, something happened. The tumor left. And they couldn't... He, he said, I believe it was when his sweetheart, I want to reassure you, Miss Brandon. Is that right the way he said it? That's right. That that tumor isn't there. You don't have any tumor. What was it? Just exactly according to the word of the law. That was voted. Amen. That's the fifth time. Five is a number of grace. A number of F-A-I-T-H-2. Amen. There's no more doubt in my mind. I know what the third pole is. And I know Amen. what it does. Now be reverent. Just keep quiet. The hour will soon arrive. Where God is going to do some great things for us. Amen. As you get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we read in Deuteronomy chapter 9 and see how you reminded the children of Israel through Moses that it wasn't because of their righteousness that they possessed the land, but it was because of the evil of the people in the land that they did possess it. We see today, even in these last days, 
Lord, it's not because of our righteousness that you've chosen us to be your representatives on this earth, but it's because of the evil of the people that you've chosen yourself to be with representatives. You've elected us unto this gospel and to be representatives of you and this truth in this last day in this manner. Much like you chose the Israelites to be a holy people before you. So Father, help us to be faithful and to accomplish that which you've set before us. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
Just want to live. 